You've already not had your hand shaken this morning. You've been asked to wait till Wednesday till we share the Lord's table together. We're boldly going where the world has never gone before. That's what it feels like at the moment, doesn't it? That seems to be how it's portrayed for many people all around the globe. And uh, it seems this little virus has caught us completely off guard. And this tiny little organism, invisible to the naked eye, is bringing the whole world to its knees and causing mayhem everywhere. And so how should Christians react and respond at times such as these? Should we read anything into it at all? Well, I want to try and cover a number of areas this morning. And I trust that this will be of some help and guidance and assurance to you across a topic of areas. We must begin with this. God is sovereign, even over this. I'm sure you know that, but we need to make sure that we keep that firmly fixed in our hearts and minds. In recent teaching series, it's a theme that has been highlighted a number of times and in various different ways. In the book of Ezra, for example, we've seen how God was at work in Babylon to ensure that the remnant would return to Jerusalem out of their Babylonian captivity. God even being able to turn and direct the hearts of pagan kings so that the decisions that they came to were the right decisions for his people. In Psalm 40, we spent four weeks looking at the theme of God's providence in his world and how everything is under his authority and everything is in accordance with his perfect and all-wise decree. So we need to fasten ourselves there as the Lord's people. And when events such as we're witnessing in these days, when events like that come upon us, they are not a reason to start to doubt and question these great truths. Indeed, they are an opportunity for us to prove what we believe. There's a verse in the Psalms, considering the time of that great flood that God brought upon the earth in the days of Noah. It says this, The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. He was over it all. The Lord sits as king forever. And then there's a promise in that verse, in the very next line. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. He will. We read earlier from the book of Job, where in chapters 38 and 39, God gives Job a huge list of things. He does it in question form, but he's basically giving Job a huge list of things which lie only within God's sphere of power and authority. And God asks Job, where were you when I did this? Who did this, Job? You or me? Job, can you do this? And it's clear 
what the answers are that Job is supposed to come to as God puts these questions to him. The Apostle Paul understand, understood fully the nature of God in God's world. Oh, the depth of the riches, he says in Romans 11, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Will God work works that in our lives and in our lifetime we have no answer to? Of course he will. He's God. Would we equate our wisdom and knowledge with his? The Bible calls us to remember the nature of God as the almighty, omnipotent, all-wise God, even now. That famous verse in the fourth chapter of Daniel, God does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? We dare not question God. And you can't question God like that over the events that are unfolding all around us in the world today. As part of that series on God's providence, the fourth message in that series was to acknowledge that some of the providences which God brings can be difficult to understand. Some of them can be hard to bear, but it's all his doing nonetheless. Trials and hardships and difficulties can be as much a work of God's grace towards you as those things that we think are pleasant and easy. And in fact, the Bible teaches and Christians will testify that it's actually through the storms of life that we grow most in faith and in trust and in Christ-like character. Then it is that faith is proven. It is when we are weak that the Lord proves his strength in us. And as you fix your mind upon the character of God, you may also remind yourself that in his sovereignty, he has numbered all your days, all of them, from beginning to end. Your first day was in his hand. Your final day will be in his hand. The other day, Boris Johnson, in the glare of the world's media, told citizens of this country that many would lose loved ones before their time. Did you hear him say that? Now, I know what he meant, but on the authority of the word of God, I must disagree with him and correct him. Of course, none of us want to be parted from loved, from loved ones. And any time is always too soon. And people will often feel deeply 
that they deserved more time together. If only we'd had more time together. If only we could have done more together. And from that perspective, to us, it feels that they were taken from us before their time. But viewed from heaven, no one is taken before their time. No one. Because your time is in God's hand. And no one overpowers him. You will not die a day sooner than God has for you. You will not live a day longer than God has for you. That wonderful portion of the scriptures in the psalm, Psalm 139. You, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. In your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. And Jesus in that great sermon in Matthew chapter 6. Which of you can, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? Which of you, by worrying, will add one day, one hour, one second to your life? It's been said many times, we remain immortal until our allotted time and our work is done. Then, our mortality will be evident for all to see. But Christian friends, the Lord is sovereign still in it all. Second thing, earthly authorities are appointed by God. God expects us to obey them. The only get-out clause the Bible gives us, and it's a very important one, is that when your obedience to men or women would be a clear and obvious violation of the law of God, your obedience to God obviously takes first place, and you obey the Lord. But how ought ought Christians to respond to the directions and instructions that are coming from governments and authorities at a time such as this. As these finite, sinful men and women, with their far from perfect wisdom, and often with no regard for the things of God, tell us what we should be doing. Do we have a duty as Christian people to follow what they say? Yes. Absolutely. No question. Yes. Romans chapter 13. The teaching of the Apostle Paul is unequivocal on this issue and makes it absolutely clear. Here is a man who lived under Roman law. Romans 13. Let every soul be subject to to the governing authorities. He couldn't state it more clearly if he wanted to. There is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Christian friends, it couldn't be stated more clearly. The duty that you have as a citizen of the United Kingdom before Her Majesty's government. The Bible is plain, plain, plain. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. In other words, generally, they will be there to call out evil for what it is and to praise good for the good it is. Now, that is far from perfect in this imperfect world, but that's the principle. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise for the same. Look what it says in verse 4. This verse is speaking about civil authorities. He is God's minister to you for good. This is what God has ordained for the world he has made. To rebel against them is to rebel against God. To rebel against them is sin. Let's be clear. The only caveat that the Bible gives us is if they would force us to do that which is against the word of God. Then we would have to say no. And this teaching is repeated in 1 Peter chapter 2. And so in the coming days you'll find the elders and deacons directing the church in compliance with the guidance and directions being given by government because it is our God-given duty to do that. The Bible makes it plain. We are not to be an unnecessary thorn in their side because of a belligerent, intransigent or uncooperative attitude. And I trust you also understand the duty of care towards one another that we're also seeking to have in place at this time. I wonder if some of you worry whether following all of these precautions that are being laid down is somehow a denial of your faith and trust in God. Not washing, you know, not shaking hands, all this. Is that somehow a denial of faith and trust in the Lord? I would answer definitely not. No. Faith and trust are not a mandate or an excuse for recklessness and carelessness. There are many statements in the Bible, especially through the book of the Psalms, about the fact that God will preserve his people. But I don't put one of those verses as a bumper sticker on the back of my car and then drive the wrong way down the M6 wearing a blindfold just to prove it. Do I? I get in my car and I follow the highway code because going by Romans 13, the highway code has been ordained by God for my good. Hasn't it? It has. And for yours. So I hope you follow it too as best we can. Jesus was tempted by Satan. 
throw yourself off the top of the temple. God's angels will come and catch you, won't they? Did he jump? No. Did Jesus lack faith or trust? Of course not. Why would he not jump? Faith and trust are not given to save you from willful recklessness and carelessness. How did Jesus respond? Do not tempt the Lord your God. Whilst our days are indeed numbered, that doesn't remove our accountability to live wisely and responsibly in God's world. And so we should. And so we will. Now let's move on to the really important bit. Actually, the sovereignty of God's really important, but more important than point two in a way. Point three. Bear witness to being at peace with God. You bear witness to being at peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Let your life show it. This virus has really unsettled many people. And as the death toll rises, more people will be hit by the impact of it and their anxiety will only increase. We're being reminded just how fragile and vulnerable we really are. We're being reminded just how light our grip on life really is. The world's been reminded that our lives and our schedules are not as robust as we'd like to think they are. They're being reminded that our technologies and our wealth and all of the building blocks of 21st century living, they all have gaping holes in them which leave us completely vulnerable and unprotected causing havoc even amongst the supposed superpowers of the world. For all our great advances, we are completely powerless and helpless about the death and disruption that this little virus is causing. We've been exposed and found out. We are but the dust of the earth. And in the midst of the gathering storm, the Christian stands as a testimony of being at peace with God. Won't you? Don't you? Will you? You remember all that we've considered about the sovereignty of God. You know God is working out all things for good to those who loved him, who are the called according to his purposes. And a peace gently flows through your soul. The reality of Isaiah 26 verses 3 and 4 becomes your living testimony and your daily reality. You will keep him and her in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts in you. 
Trust in the Lord forever, for in the Lord is everlasting strength. As the media prophesies its doom and gloom and works everyone up into a frenzy, your soul is a tranquil haven of peace because you have stayed your mind on the Lord. You fix your thoughts upon him. You remember him. You see him. This is the one who is your glorious saviour and redeemer, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And you stay your mind on him. You have a security in Christ. A heavenly home awaits you. And one of the reasons, of course, that the world gets so frantic is because for them, this is all there is. This life is as good as it gets. The things of this world which they're accumulating, all this and only this is the stuff of which their life consists. And suddenly, its true worth and value is exposed. It's worth nothing. It can do for them nothing. One tiny virus threatens to end it all and take it all away. You read the words of Jesus in the second half of Matthew 6 where he provides all the reasons you need not to worry about tomorrow. So, take him at his word. Do not worry about tomorrow. We read in Philippians 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, and supplication. So that's part of not being anxious. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. And it's interesting to note what Paul says just before that. We didn't read this bit, the end of chapter 3. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he's able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, stand fast in the Lord. The world, without Christ, when faced with death, sees everything that they have being lost and being torn away. The Christian looks into their Bible and looks up to heaven and everything the Christian has is all there waiting for them. That's the difference. And the worst that tiny virus can do to you is get you there to have it. Right? 
the worst it can do. Unite you with everything Christ prepared for you for all eternity. That's your hope. That's why you're so at peace. Are you? And fourthly, bear witness to God's coming judgment. Bear witness to God's coming judgment. Now, I don't want to get into all the ins and outs of whether this event is without any doubt a specific and definite act of judgment from God. Is this virus an act of judgment from God? It may be. Of much more help is to bear witness that there is a day of judgment coming. Something that is definite. Now some Christians have a field day with what I'm about to mention and go completely wild with predictions and speculation. But I just need to mention mention this and make a few things clear. In Matthew 24 we read these words. This is Jesus speaking. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilences, fearful sights, great signs from heaven. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And you will hear Christian voices crying out, Look, see the pestilence. Christ is coming very, very soon. It's just around the corner. There's just one problem, and I don't have time to go into all this this morning, but those verses that we've just read in Matthew 24 actually refer to the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. They don't refer to the return of Christ. So they're totally barking up the wrong tree to begin with. If you want to argue that one out later, you can come and see me. Preferably go to Stuart, but you can come and see me, that's fine. I'll just ask Keith to come and help me as well. No, it's easily explained. It's easily explained. The pestilence, the pestilence. It's not even talking about the return of Christ, that verse. It's from verse 36 in Matthew 24, if you read it through. Of that day and hour. That's when Jesus starts to talk about his second coming. What does he say there? No one knows. Why would he say, look out for all these signs, and then say, no one knows? That doesn't make sense, does it? No one knows. So just to warn you against some of the extremes that get caught up on this topic, particularly that we can read the signs and know that the return of Christ is, must be, just round the corner. Many become obsessed with this topic. And Jesus has said, no one knows the day or the hour. Now, it is true that the coming of Christ is getting closer. Well, it has to be, doesn't it? It is getting closer, of course it is. It is true that the Bible teaches that certain evils will increase towards the time when he returns. But to think that this time, this is a sign that surely this has to be, 
has to be the very last of the very last days. Be careful. Be careful. Now, when accidents and tragedies and high death tolls hit our news headlines, these things should do something. They should act as a reminder that life is short, that it is appointed to every single one of us once to die, and after that, the judgment. That's the most helpful thing to focus on. There is a judgment coming. This coronavirus is nasty. It's, it's to be taken seriously. It most certainly is not the worst pestilence this world has known. I can take you back 700 years. The Black Death. It's estimated that killed maybe 30 or 40 percent of the entire population of the planet. This little virus is a drop in the ocean compared to that one. And that was 700 years ago. I can tell you, the Lord's people back then would have been saying, oh, this is it, the pestilence, it's just around the corner. Well, here we are 700 years later and life goes on. Be careful, be careful. Every generation, every generation has had reason to believe this must be it. Every generation's had reason to believe that. But the fact that it is coming and that we actually don't know, that, that is the whole point. That's the whole point. Let me just read from Matthew 24, just towards the end of that section where Jesus was speaking. Uh, Matthew 24 at verse... 42. You see, th this is the thing to grasp hold of. Watch therefore. This is Jesus speaking. You do not know what hour your Lord is coming, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. It won't even be when you expect Christ to come that he'll come. Let alone a time that you know or you think you know. It won't even be when you expect it. Here's a phrase I like when thinking about the return of Christ. Always imminent but never predictable. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. The Bible encourages you to live as if Christ could return tomorrow, because he could, and to be found ready with your hand to the plough as a faithful servant of Christ. That's the issue. The Bible encourages you never to be found wanting when Christ returns, because none of us can know the day or the hour. Faithfully living, serving, witnessing, they're the things you must give yourself to. For the majority of believers, we'll be called home to glory before this world ends and before Christ returns. You and I really are like the grass of the field, which today is, and then the wind blows and we're gone. And then it will be too late to do anything about anything. Next. 
comes the day when all men and women, all boys and girls, great and small, rich and poor, the somebodies standing right next door to the nobodies, will all stand before the judgment throne of God. And there all will be judged according to their deeds and according to all the thoughts and intent of their heart. All of their sins will be measured. They'll be measured against the perfect righteousness and holiness of God. And they will receive the eternal punishment, eternal punishment, that their sins deserve. And when pestilence comes, it's a huge wake-up call. Life is short. Judgment is coming. Eternity is very, very long. So it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for Christians to bear witness of coming judgment. It's an opportunity for Christians to make known the love and the grace and the mercy and the salvation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And on that great and last day, there will be no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who have repented of their sins, for those who are trusting in that salvation which Christ has secured through his death and resurrection, he will present them faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Until then, no matter what storms may come, Stay your mind on the Lord and he, in Christ, will keep you in perfect peace.